Have you ever been told at some point in your life that you are not good enough, smart enough, strong enough, rich enough, or any reason really? This podcast is meant to teach, motivate, and inspire you to never lose sight of what your true passion is and to always believe you are far more capable than you think. Welcome to the Why Not Me podcast with your host, David Florence. Each week, we'll bring you a special guest that will truly motivate, inspire, and encourage you to never lose sight of who you are, what it is you're meant to do, and to offer valuable advice on what steps you can take to help you believe in yourself, achieve your dreams, and ultimately lead you to discover your purpose, passion, and drive. You can write your goals down. You can, even if it sounds weird or crazy, like, you know, when I was younger, I'm going to write a book one day. Well, who knew I'd ever do that? But if you you write them down, they don't sound as crazy. They don't seem so challenging. Mm -hmm. And they become more real. Because sometimes we keep them in our head, I think, or maybe you're in a position kind of like I grew up with. You don't have a lot of support. You you give someone an idea, like, why would you do that? You know, I had to be my own cheerleader. Um, I had an experience when I was younger that um, I think pushed me to be how I am. Mm -hmm. And because, you know, like you see a lot of families now, you know, they're always cheering on their kids, cheering on their family. Oh, my son's so great. My daughter's great. Well, a lot of people don't come from that. Mm-hmm. And you have to be somehow find a way to feel inside of you what you want, even though you may not, it may feel this big because you're around things around you that just squish you down. So you're, it's like a little tiny thing. Mm-hmm. Somehow get to the point where you can write down even the things that you think, I don't know why I think it's stupid. Write it down. Let it become more real. Welcome back to the Why Not Me podcast with your host, David Pohorance. I'm super excited to bring to you a special guest today, a new friend of mine I've made, I've met through Todd Durkin Mastermind Group and a fellow author of a, a new book that's about to be released called What's Next. I want to introduce you to, introduce you to Tracy Markley. Tracy is a 10-time, soon-to-be 11-time author of several fascinating books with a wide range of topics that I cannot wait to discuss with Tracy. Super excited about that. Tracy has over 25 years experience in the fitness industry that includes experience as a personal trainer, studio owner, master level Pilates and yoga instructor. And Tracy was also named in 2021, the idea personal trainer of the year. So Tracy, welcome to the Why Not Me podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, so nice to have you. And I'm super excited, especially since you're a new connection of mine. And so I love to help promote and, and do what I can to promote your brand and what your message is. And so I'm excited to get rolling. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you. (laughs) So Tracy, tell us a little bit about yourself. So our listeners know where are you originally from? And talk to us a little bit about your journey, if you can, what kind of led you to where you are today with your fitness and your passions for writing. I'm originally from Long Beach, California, which I'm here again right now as of last year, but I had my fitness studio in Huntington Beach, California first. 17, 18 years. And then I was in Oregon for eight years. I just came back last year, but I've been doing fitness since the nineties. Yeah. Kind of late eighties, nineties, but I've always been into, been into fitness. And, um, as I, as I started doing the fitness journey, I went to get a a personal training certificate and I, and I ordered a manual I think it was for A's, a thick manual, and you had to read it, and then you had to go take the test and your test. And I'm like, well, I can't learn like that. 
Right. So, but you also had to get your CPR. So I thought, why well, can't me? I can't learn to save a life in a four-hour class. So I looked up Orange Coast College, which is here in Costa Mesa, not too far away, and they had a CPR first aid class. So I thought I'm going to take that. So I did, and just happened to be the teacher was the owner of a gym and. Um, Costa Mesa, a female gym. And he's like, why are you all, all, all here? So I said, why? And he goes, oh, we have a full course here. They had a full program right. on becoming a fitness specialist. And they had the water weighing tank where you can, you know, they used to use them to weigh people's body fat. They had all kinds of things. It was a very good program. So I ended up taking that. And then that just kept making connections. But during that thing, the course, the teacher said, Whatever you guys do, join idea mm-hmm. and you can join as a student. So I did, but none of the pack of people I hung out with did it. So before I graduated, I got a call from a girl saying I called idea and I asked if she had a, there was a female trainer close to where my studio is because she wanted to sell it. Mm-hmm. At the time, she rented a space from a chiropractor and she wanted out of the business. She was gotcha. done. And I was the one that came up. None of the friends who even live closer to her got called because they didn't sign up for ideas. So that was kind of a cool thing. Mm-hmm. So I ended up getting the business for really cheap. And I work, I was working at a pediatric office at the time. So I was doing that full time and doing that on the side. But when I started doing the clients, I had people coming in with back issues, fibromyalgia, never heard what that was yet, you know, arthritis and lupus. And I'm like, how, I mean, even though I went through a nice, strong course, I'm like, we didn't learn how to do that. So I right. took some, started taking some, found Paul Check, took some courses with Paul Check, you know, deep in the core and spine mm-hmm. thing. And then I found a company that did um, certifications on fibromyalgia, arthritis, diabetes. So I just started piling up my certification because right. I had to learn. I couldn't fake it. And that right. just kind of put the grounds in it. I think I kind of got known as the physical therapy personal trainer. Right. So when I moved my studio after a couple of years, there was a big space, the medical building. I went there and I didn't even have signs up. I was just kind of known. I think people found me on the internet or word of mouth. And right. I, and then I, when I moved to Oregon, I was in a senior community and there was, a, I was working with a lot of stroke survivors right. and seniors. And it just, the education I accumulated in my experience worked for that. And then I just kind of fell into becoming known as kind of the specialist in stroke recovery. Right. And I did a book and I just kept going from there. And yeah. now I'm back in California. <laughs> yeah. That was my, that's kind of where I was, I was going to jump in while you're, while you're uh, talking about that background and that experience was your clientele and the, the type of demographics you were coming across. Was it mainly at that time when you first started out, was it mainly an older senior population? Like no. uh, or did it kind of morph into all types of ages were coming to you. My clients have always been all types of ages, but you get strokes and you get back pain and hip issues and lupus and people in 20, 30, 40, all different ages. I became the person who worked with people who had extra challenges Mm -hmm. or medical conditions. I did. And I did do the boot camps. I was Tracy's boot camps and I was, I won an award, whatever, um, and different things. And that was a different age, you know, that would go from 20 to 50. I had six-year-olds in there, just, you know, different things like that. But when it came to a lot of the private training, um, and I also think sometimes the older clients, I mean, 40 and older, they have the income to hire trainers. Right. 
So I had the clientele, the people who came two, three days a week for years. Right. So um, when I was in Oregon, a woman called me and said, can you train my brother who's a stroke survivor? And so we met. And when I met him, this, this was the, the man in my first book, Gary. He, um, they was approaching me in a walker. But he was approaching me with, I didn't know it's time, but it was his sister, his sister's husband and his neighbor were all walking towards me. He's in a walker. And my first, like my first thing was, oh my God, he's in a walker. I've never trained someone that raw before. And I'm like, oh, and I went, nope, you can do it. And I snapped out real quick. And then something said as they were laughing and approaching me, like a gut or an angel or something actually just said you're to know this person for a bigger purpose. I mean, just the meeting was this journey that was just beyond just a person. And, um, and then it was, he was a very good man, ended up being the story in my first book. And he, he would always say to me, you know what, you're going to do bigger and better things than being here. And he was right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you, and he, you know, he saw how the small town sometimes didn't treat me nicely. Some people did, some people didn't, but a lot of them were really good to let you know, you don't belong here, go back to California. He said, just ignore him. You have bigger, better things to do. (laughs) So, and then, um, he would say things like, don't have a stroke. We need to share my story. And so I go, we need to write a book called Dear Stroke, You Suck. And then we did. But he he had a surgery and they kind of messed up. He had to do something in his heart um, and he ended up passing away. And he didn't get to see the book published. Right. Sad. So let's stay on that topic if we can. So tell us a bit more about Gary and like who he was and, you know, how he really did inspire you to write that book and how and how the ending, you know, how did you tie him into the, as you were writing that book and the, how did the book end like as far as a memorial towards Gary, or was it more along his, his explain more of his journey or t- tell us a bit more about that book. And then uh, I want to, I want you to tell listeners as before we got on, uh, Tracy was talking about her water bottle in memory of Gary. And so, <laughs> so I want to, I want to just kind of stay on that topic just for a minute. So can you talk a bit more about Gary and his, yeah. I'll take it through all the way to the bottle scene. Okay. So when Gary came to me, he was in a walker and um, he was just, you know, like I said, we had a connection. He was from Costa Mesa, which is right here, you know, by where I grew up. Um, Him and his wife retired. He's retired. He was an artist. They moved to Florida. I moved there, you know, maybe a year after. So we just connected, you know, and, but we had a lot in common because he was, an artist. He was from Costa Mesa and California and a surfer and all this stuff, mm-hmm. but he was determined. He would come to the gym every single day. He trained with me three days a week. And when he wasn't with me, he would be there when I was there and I'd watch him and talk to him. And now when he got to the point where he can actually, he wasn't very good getting up and off the floor yet, but he would do it. He'd almost kind of fall the floor and get up. Mm-hmm. He would start taking my classes because I trained full-time training, but I also taught um, some sculpting classes where I use weights and balls and right. all that kind of stuff. And then BOSU balls. And then I did Pilates classes. So he took every, I taught 12 classes a week. So he took every class I took except for my yoga classes. I don't want him in that. So he would sit right by me and it just became, he inspired everybody. People saw him go. It was a small town. So you saw a lot of the same people. They saw him go from the walker to being the man that walked up to people at the gym going, you had a stroke, didn't you? I was a mess look at me now. But as we were training, he would, and he was funny too. And Mm -hmm. we would laugh and 
he was an artist and he just had so many, I learned so much through him. Like, like one example of things with him is, um, he couldn't lift this arm at first and he had a little, um, peripheral vision loss. So I'd have him do this thing where I hold something in front of him and he followed the eyes, mm-hmm. you know, and let his head turn and we do bouncing, we do the disc and stuff. And at one point we realized he couldn't, he couldn't see colors. He couldn't decide the colors. So I was like, what color is this? And, and I took, I picked up blue, pink, red, all different colors. And then he would, wouldn't get them. So one day he's on the, he's, I go, let's put you, cause I know the disc stimulates the central nervous system. So I put him on the balance disc mm-hmm. and I did the colors and they came to him like that. Wow. Which I was like, wow, we're onto something here. So I kept, I kept learning these like things with him right. as they came across, like, Oh, so that does that. Okay. When he's on the ball. So, cause the central nervous system has so much to do with everything, the brain and spinal cord mm-hmm. and how the posture works. Then it gets stimulated when they're on these other objects. And I knew that, but seeing his um, cognitive skills mm-hmm. change on that totally made me, you know, it perfectly confirmed that we get that too. So if we're on a balance, this or both ball challenging that way, we're getting all that exercising of that too, but we don't see it because we never lost it. Right, right. So I experience with him that I used it without, you know, took it on right. to you know, that. This is how powerful this is for the central nervous system, but we don't know what's happening. Right. Unless you have it taken away and you see it come back. So we have a lot of stories like that. They're in the book, but we would be training and he would just stop and go, wait, I got to tell you something. Don't ever have a stroke. They suck. <laughs> or he would say we need, or he'd look around. There were some trainers there that didn't have certifications, and you can mm-hmm. kind of tell, right? You know, and he goes, they don't know what you know stuff that people don't know here, huh? I'm like, well, yeah. So anyway, so he goes, we need to share my story. So one day when he stopped me and said, "Stroke suck," I said, we need to write a book and call it "Dear Stroke, You Suck." So I started writing it. I knew mm-hmm. right then I have to do it. I said it. So, you know, we we did photos for things forward, forward down the line. Um, we were at the coffee shop once. And at the time the book was going to be called dear stroke, you suck. Mm-hmm. And then I was asked him about his artwork because he had to learn to be an artist and he had to learn to read and write and be an artist. Right. So he said, he doesn't like his artwork after. And he was like pretty known in the art field. Right. Right. He said when he goes to paint a, like a long, thin black line, he can only make a short, thick one. I go stroke of an artist. We need to change the name of the book. So we did. And then I was, didn't know what I was doing. I'm at my computer going, I don't know how to write a book. I was putting all my notes together. Then when I'm thinking I have it pretty good and ready to go, I have two girls in town trying to help me edit it, but they all knew them. So everybody's crying. They're editors, but everyone's crying through the story. Idea was coming up, the convention in Mm -hmm. Vegas, 2017. So I go, let me go see if any new sessions were added. Here pops up Greg Justice, someone who I was following on Facebook because I liked all his positive quotes and things he puts in there. I never met him. I just right. thought, oh, I like how he talks and what he shares. So right. we became friends on Facebook and I followed him. So anyway, he, all of a sudden there's a session from Greg Dresses saying how to, how to help fitness people publish a book. Mm-hmm. And I went, oh, well, I'd be stupid to publish my book before I went to this. So I went and I actually think I arrived a half hour early the day of the session. So I'm sitting there, never met Greg before I met him. And so he hands me the book they wrote about publishing. And he said, the best advice I can give you is, 
friends don't let friends edit. <laughs> <laughs> That's good advice. <laughs> and so, you know, then I learned from him. Then I decided I'm going to use them. So, at, so this carries on to the very last session of that. This is when I first met Todd Dirk, and he won that year. He won the big award, and he did push-ups mm-hmm. with Jacqueline's wife with you know Elaine Lane. Anyway, so I met my last session there, and it's Travis Barnes and his wife mm-hmm. and his daughters there, and they're playing us the Rocky theme song at the end. Right. And the Rocky theme song was also on a video Gary's sister made where she made him going from the two weeks. He couldn't even move the body in bed to the six months of therapy he had before I met him. I met him six months after he's in a walker. So she has this progress. And then when he met me and when he walked, so he had, she has this whole video and she put the Rocky theme song on it. So I'm wow. in there going, they're playing the song of Gary. Oh my God. This is also meant to be. I mean, it was just like yeah. a, so yes. when he passed, his sister made these bottles inspired, says inspired by Gary and she made shirts. So I thought in the back, so in the back of the book, I took a bunch of pictures of people around town wearing his shirts, holding his bottles. Mm-hmm. So I carried this with me. It's like, this is like, I don't ever want to lose this. So anyway, so I left it somewhere in the room. And as, so as Travis and them were talking, I, I raised my hand and said something and I it touched Travis's daughter and we touched something was, she came up and gave me a hug and said, thank mm-hmm. you. I go, well, thank you. And then Todd came up from the back of the room when the, everything was over. Oh, as, as the, theme song from Rocky's on all these balloons were dropping from the sky with positive affirmations in them. I mean, it was just like this magical moment. And so Todd comes up and he thanked me for whatever I said. And then someone comes up and said, you forgot your bottle. And they handed it to me and Todd. And I'm like, we got to take a picture of this. So there's a picture of Todd holding the bottle and me and he, and we, we shared briefings. Yeah. Keep, you know, keep writing your, you know, make sure you write your book. And then, so here it is full circle. But from 2017, 2022, now I'm writing a book with Todd Durkin. I mean, yes. who knew goes in full circle. Right. And the connection with, with um, Greg and Kelly. And so in the back of the book, there's people in there. And then there's, wait, right here. Todd Durkin and me at the session holding Gary's bottle. <laughs> so now here I am doing work. So it's just life makes a full circle if you trust your gut. And follow things like if I would have just said, "Oh, I can publish a book. I don't need that Greg Justice guy to teach or anything." Right. None of this would have happened. So yeah. you always trust your gut. So that was the story of all that. That's and then great. I during the pandemic, I so the book was during, uh, the stroke of an artist, and during the pandemic, I woke up one day and my gut says, "Bring the book back out and change the title back to the original one you and Gary wanted." Dear Stroke, you suck. So I just redid it with a new title and I, then I decided let's make it in bigger print. Right. Cause I've noticed that I've written more stroke recovery books after that. Cause I've had five in the series. Mm-hmm. Um, th- they're tired. The caregivers are tired. They need bigger words. Right. So I, now I just make all my books in bigger words. I learned that. Down yeah. Path. Well, that, that uh, I love the story and it really points to how one person that's put in your path can inspire you to do something that you didn't think you were capable of. Yeah. And it's just, it's a phenomenal feeling once you get to that point, and especially in your case, honoring, you know, honoring Gary. Yeah. So that's awesome. And Tracy, how old was Gary when you first met him and, and when he passed? He was 63 when I met him and he was almost three years later and he passed. 
Is his wife still alive today or? Yeah, she moved on back to, I think, where her kids are in um, Seattle or something. Gosh. And, and has she, what was her, what was her thoughts and, and when the book came out and, and how did that, how did that play this, out for you? You know, this is the thing, his sister, in fact, his sister helped me make sure I did re-edit this and make sure there was new, she helped me do this one, make sure we didn't have any mistakes and we didn't anyway, but his sister and I are still friends. The wife was the, just kind of checked out from everything. Right, right. So no one really hears from her, but I'm still in contact with his sister-in-law and brother. Yeah. I mean, her, his sister and brother, um, brother-in-law and um, they're just, they're really good people. So we're friends still and right. get together oh. when we can. Yeah. What a, what, what a nice way to honor him though. That's fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. And, and they had me, they had me speak at his service and um, yeah, there's, there's a lot, there's so much to his story. I could talk for hours yeah yeah well no it's it's a great yeah it's a fantastic story and to anyone listening who's a personal trainer coach or wanting to get into the field just know how much you know you really do impact somebody and how they can equally impact you uh that led me to have someone ask me can i write a stroke recovery course so i have a course cec course cec course on stroke recovery training out there right and and that's great. I mean, so that so that one connection really yeah. opened up a, a lot of op- opportunities for you to, you know, share your knowledge and your passion and to help others and help, you know, so that that's going to go a long way. So that's fantastic. Thanks, Tracy, for that. Well, and yeah. And Tracy, so what are some of the biggest obstacles that like you've had to overcome so far in your career? Like, I mean, what's even just one or two, like, what would you say? what was a big learning lesson for you from them? Big learning lesson. You mean from the Gary situation or just things I've had to get through? Yeah. Just, just any, just any obstacle, like from the, from the day you started this and wanted to jump into it to today. Like, so like, what is a, what would be in your mind, one of the biggest obstacles that you have had to overcome to, to get to where you are? Um, when it comes to like, like if anyone watching right now, a lot of people do interviews that look into the camera. When I'm on the Zoom and different interviews, I'm always looking at the screen because I wear hearing aids. I have severe hearing loss. So I read lips. So I try to look at things. So I, my life, the hearing loss has been something I had to overcome and get mm-hmm. through. And I didn't really learn till my, probably my late 30s how bad it was affecting my life. Right. I didn't realize. I just, oh, I don't hear well in my left ear. And as I was, getting to my first hearing aids and learning more about it, I learned that when you don't hear well, it makes it harder to read and write and um, process things. Right. So when I was in school in third grade, where I was in third grade, and I remember I had a really hard time in the reading comprehension. The teacher would read a story, like a paragraph, and we'd have to write questions. I'm like, that's not what she said. And I was always, so I had a, I called it dummy English, dummy Mm -hmm. reading. And, um, and she go, oh, honey, because my parents got divorced in third grade. Honey, it's because your parents are divorced. You know, no one did. Back in the day, I'm 56. So back in the day when we got hearing tests, it was like you walk into the auditorium or cafeteria. There's like every kid in the school's line. You sit down for 30 seconds, hand, hand, beep, beep, go. They're not, it's not right. a true test. Right. So um, I had to try, struggle really hard in school to get, get good grades. Mm-hmm. But when I got to, when I was at Orange Coast College, I realized, you know, if I sit in the front off to the left 
I comprehend the teacher more. So I thought it was just kind of quirky. So I went with it. Mm-hmm. And then as I, you know, started growing, then ended up not growing, but just growing. I, I was married with stepkids. They're like, you need hearing aids. And so right. I went and got my hearing checked and um, they're like, you're almost deaf completely in this ear and your severe hearing loss. You've probably been reading lips since you're little and you just got good at it. I'm like, oh, and they're like, you must, are you fatigued all the time? I'm like, yeah, she goes, because you're always reading lips. I'm like, oh, wow. Anyway, so that's helped. And as I've gotten more, each, each you know, few years, you get a, a better, better hearing aids, things are better. And, and a few, about six months ago, Starkey Hearing, who makes the hearing aids I use, mm-hmm. approached me and asked me if I'd be an ambassador for them because they like my social media and, right. uh, and my hearing aids. So they gave me a really nice pair of hearing aids. I've been adjusting to the last couple of months and they have artificial intelligence. So they do like 55 million adjustments a day without me knowing. Wow. So things just change. And I posted something the other day. I was in my car and I was listening to like an 80s song. I'm like, what's that noise? Well, right. it was a sound beep in the song, you know, like a bass or something they never heard before. Right. I'm like, what's that sound? It's like going to the sound of the beat. I'm like, oh, it's the radio. I never heard that level. So right. that getting the hearing aids and, and everything helped me write better. It right. helped me be a better reader and writer because you write and read and speak the way you think you hear words. So sometimes growing up, people say, you don't say the word baggy, right? I'm like, I think I'm saying it right. Or they tell me I don't talk right. I'm like, well, in my head, I hear it fine. So it would confuse me. Right. And so I went to um, a place once in Florence and say, can I, is there a speech therapist here so I can learn to talk better? Because I I was told I talk too fast, but I don't wear my hearing aids. And she says, honey, you need a new pair of hearing aids. I'm like, oh. (laughs) 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 So it helps to have the right, uh professionals help you too right that was a big obstacle for me that i didn't realize i was in well i mean that's that's huge to overcome that and and for your path that you were trying to navigate through talk to us a little bit about that tracy like that path and once you as you were kind of navigating through that obstacle uh you know of your you know dealing with your hearing and like that was i mean that had to be challenging for you so what, what was that like as you navigated you, you know, tell, you talked to us a little bit about that. What was that like, you know, just trying to do the daily things that a lot of us take for granted? I mean, just, I mean. One, one thing is you're tired a lot. There's literally a thing called hearing fatigue, listening fatigue. It's the same thing because when you're lacking a sense like that, your other senses try to kick in and, and, and wearing the face mask, everybody has even a slight hearing loss had a challenge because a lot of us read lips. When you're reading lips, it fills in the words you don't hear. And um, so and you're not, you, know, you don't always catch them on them. But yeah, it's hard because there'd be times it'd be like, you, I don't go to certain things that I just know. Yeah, those people don't like my hearing loss or they'll just like, oh yeah, you don't hear well. And they'll turn their back and they'll talk to someone and just shine me on because people aren't very respectful with it. So it can be right. hurtful. I was at a gathering once. This was the worst one. I was at a gathering. And I just joined Toastmasters. So I was at a gathering that I was invited to from people I met in Toastmasters. So I'm sitting with a woman from Toastmasters. And I let her know, because at the time I went for my new hearing aids, I didn't have them on. So I let her know if I say what a lot, because my hearing, I'm waiting for new hearing aids. She goes, oh, I'm so glad you told me that because you talk too fast. And it makes me feel uncomfortable. And I was just going to walk away from you. And I went, wow. Oh, I, I, w- I left crying. I'm like, who first, who says that to somebody? I'm like, really? 
is that right. what people have been doing my whole life and I didn't know it? Right. They're just like, oh, she talks. What's wrong with her? She talks too fast, or she she. And so they just shine me on and kind of isolate me. Right. And so I, it it that was a that opened up something to me. It made me realize that a lot of times in my life where I've been treated poorly, maybe mm-hmm. based on that, and I didn't know it. Right. And so I went back to the ear professional. I told him, and um, we talked about it and he explained more how people are uncomfortable. It's usually about them, but he finds that sometimes it's just boneheads in the world. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, but, yeah. So that was hard. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's that seems to be true. <laughs> that stay there. For, let's stay there for one second, though. What tips would you give for, to somebody who listening right now, who maybe they're experiencing that similar situation that. They don't know that they might have a hearing issue. Like what are some of the things that you would advise or tell them to look for or, and how to deal with that? I would definitely get a, a good hearing check, not just um, one at the store, one that asks those 30 seconds, go to an audiologist or a hearing aid specialist that puts you through the whole testing. You're there for maybe an hour or so. They put you in a room. You want the full test so they can find out because I have a piece of paper that actually says, you know, you, you, you were your consonants. And your vowels, where they go at the beginning of the words, the end of the words, where you're missing things. Mm-hmm. And until I got these the hearing aids before this, they didn't think I ever heard the letter S. Wow. So the first couple weeks I had, I might sound like everyone was going. Right. So I tell people to get your ears checked and get hearing aids because when you don't have hearing aids, when you need them, you are more prone to dementia when you get older. Wow. Okay. So that's how I got a lot of my older client men to get them. The wife will call me and go, how'd you get him to get hearing aids? I didn't tell him for 10 years ago because I told him you get dementia. Because that, so part of the brain that does the hearing, if you don't use it, it kind of in a sense shuts down and that puts right. you in dementia. Plus also at my age, I was already separating myself from situation. I knew it just, oh, I don't want to deal with those people that make me feel bad. You know, you, you're, right. I can't hear that. You know, so you, you're already getting a sense of isolation right. and the more you, more it gets worse, the more you isolate yourself, that's bad for people mentally and their mindset and their emotions. And it's lonely and you get seniors in that situation. It can lead to dementia when you, mm-hmm. when you have hearing loss too, especially in older individuals, it can mess with your balance. It can mess with your, you know, mm-hmm. your coordination, which means you're right. more prone to fall. So it's a fall prevention task yeah. to get hearing aids yeah. and wear them. <laughs> well, this, it's a, I mean, it's fascinating. I think, I mean, just that topic alone, I feel like we could talk for hours on it yeah. and maybe bring you back in another, another segment for that. <laughs> so it, no, it's important. And I'm just fascinated by that. So from a hearing perspective, is there anything like that you, like, was it a hereditary thing or was it something that, because you hear a lot of people nowadays that, you know, in our facilities, in our gyms, that we have a couple of physicians and medical professionals that say, you know, take the ear pods out of your ear and make sure the volume isn't too loud. Is there something that from a family hereditary thing that led to that? Or is it something like when you were younger, you know, you, we had the, I'm going to date my age and <laughs> those big old headphones on your, <laughs> on your, on your head that would blast the music through and, and damage your hearing, you know, or your parents would yell at you, turn the music down. So yeah. is there something that, that you, that affected you that way or. They think I was born with it, but I remember when I was 
three, about three years old. So when we're little, we had our tonsils out, your adenoid sits in your tonsils. And when you get mm-hmm. your tonsils, they take them both. But a year or so before they took my tonsils out, they took my adenoids out because they said they were too big. They're blocking my ears. And I remember going, it was, it was actually Long Beach State College, a big brick building, but they called it speech school. I didn't, I didn't know until I was like in my 30s. I put together, oh, those are speech students at the college that were helping me. I didn't know that. Right. But they, I had to learn to go talk again. I said, I was saying my words funny. So growing, no one really told me the story. My family doesn't really mm-hmm. well with things like that. Anyway, so I always thought it was because whatever happened with ad noise. You know, that messed my hearing. I had to learn to speak again when I started finding it out. Right. And then, so when I met the doctor, like, were you in a band? Did you shoot guns? I'm like, no. And then they ended up saying, you were born with this. So at the more they do the test, they can tell by, like the guy I'm working with now in Long Beach, he specifically says, I can tell by how you have your hearing loss and where you have them, that you were born with this. And my cousin has hearing loss and um, hearing aids and so does one of my brothers. But one of my brothers used to wear the big headphones on his ears <laughs> with his bedroom door shut and I'd be in the living room and we can hear the music clearly. And he actually blew out his eardrums. Wow. So I always thought that was his issue. Maybe he was born with it too. That's why he turned it up so loud. Right. But when we were young, I just thought he was, you know, being yeah. stupid and blew out his eardrums. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, I mean, it's a, it's a good, it's good advice for everyone to make sure to get your ears and your hearing checked and, and take stay on top of those things because I had no idea that any of that stuff could affect, you know, balance yeah. lead to dementia. So, you know, anyone listen to that, just, I would take heed to the, you know, to Tracy's advice and to get those things taken care of and make sure you're get checked annually for the, for any hearing issues. So and thanks. the loneliness and isolation can play towards it too. And this, right. this is just another part of the world that can put you there. Right. Yeah. That fantastic advice. And, and thanks and your message, hopefully, will just spark someone to to go get that test if they're putting it off. So, so thank you again. And Tracy, so I li- I really like to talk to our guests about, you know, like, and you've heard in just being in, you know, the mastermind with Todd, Todd always says we have our, everyone has a personal story, right? That really inspires us to take a, that step towards achieving, you know, that dream job or that dream situation in your life. What's yours? Like what, what's Tracy's personal story that, forced you or made you go take those major steps towards a tree achieving your ultimate dream and maybe what you're doing is that dream right now I know growing up and in my early 20s I always wanted to write a, I always wanted to someday write a book I didn't know what was on then when I started learning about the body I was like I want to write a book just on core and muscles mm-hmm. and you know I did this one recently this is my last book it's just muscles it's basically where are the muscles at, where are they attached, what do they do? So and, that was my dream. It's biomechanics of your body, a simple, simplified way to human movement. And and, and to all the listeners, uh, this will also we're we're on a Zoom call, so so Tracy's holding up a couple of her books that she, that we're talking about, but all that'll be in the show notes. So don't worry about it if you're trying to feverishly write stuff down. <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes. So thanks, Tracy. <laughs> That. Go ahead. So that was one of my one of my dreams. So I achieved that this year, even though I did a spine book a couple years ago and it has a lot of muscles like, oh, I, I, I so I did it. I did my NAMI book, but I really did it this time. And then I have a course on it, too. I have a course on it because because like when this has been my goal ever since I met Gary, even more passion, seeing so many fitness professionals that did not have the knowledge mm-hmm. of muscles 
if you don't have the knowledge of muscles and spine and which muscles do which movements, how are you going to help a client get back from stroke recovery? So when Gary met me, his sister went to the gym and they gave him two cards, mine and one of the other guys. And I guess it was a joke between them. He goes, well, if you're going to make me go to a gym, I'd rather have a girl than a male. And, and right. he didn't tell me that till he knew me after six months. And he said that was because he's never been to a gym in his life. He was a surfer. Mm-hmm. He thought gyms meant big buff men pushing you beyond your limit. And he knew he didn't do that. So he chose me. Mm-hmm. So about a week before the book published, I was sitting down on my, my living floor and it just popped my head. Oh my God. If he would have went to this other trainer instead of me, he probably wouldn't be walking like he is. All these things he made wouldn't happen. I just started crying mm-hmm. because when someone limits their knowledge, it limits the person's progress. Right. So from that moment, my passion was to teach as much as I know to people and try to, I got the course done and I have a few books of stroke recovery because I figured if the stroke survivors can't find the professionals, at least there's a book for them to read right. to help them gain knowledge, them and the caregivers that will help them find a professional with the right knowledge mm-hmm. and not be limited. And so that just became my passion. And it turned out to be, you know, I got this book done, but one quick thing, if you don't want me sharing this, I, I have a stroke support group. I started in social media back then and Facebook. Okay. And now it's, I think it's nearing 6,000, but at the time I had like 400 people in it and I asked, or yeah, I asked a question, what has been your hardest struggle with finding a fitness professional after your physical therapy ends? The answers were crazy. Mm -hmm. Most of them, I mean, some of them had good care, but one of the most popular answers was trainers don't know anything. Trainers don't know their muscles. Right. And one, two extreme stories. One man said he went to the gym. The trainer said, get in the treadmill. And the, and the stroke survivor said, well, one, I can't hold on very well. I'm nervous on the treadmill. And two, I had my stroke on a treadmill. And the trainer told him, that's just excuses. Do it anyway. And wow. then the guy said, I wanted to hit him, but that was my stroke. Mm-hmm. So I gave up. I stopped looking for help. Just like that. Mm-hmm. He could have been recovered more. But that person limited him. And the other extreme story, a man said, I went through 10 trainers until I found someone. Mm. He found a trainer that the guy said, I'm a, I'm a paramedic. I train part-time. I know about strokes, but not about training them. Let me look into something. And they work together and now they bodybuild together. So those right. are two extremes. And right. that just led me to, we need to get the knowledge out there because if you go to a trainer or a physical therapist that don't have an advanced knowledge of stroke recovery and you're like oh yeah my my i can't walk mm-hmm. it didn't work well did you can you not walk because your stroke truly limited you because some brains don't recover or is it because you don't have someone with the right you know with the proper knowledge to keep making it happen Correct. and i just thought it's unfair it's unfair so i'm like i gotta write everything i know i gotta help all these people so that kind of like Yes. Brought me to that because that, that became my passion right then. Yeah. The knowledge needs to be out there because if it can stop someone from going back to work or driving a car again, mm-hmm. if you're just, you just come up and say, oh, I know how to do it when you don't. Right. And that's, that's huge and kind of cruel to do to someone. Correct. Yeah. So that yeah. became my passion. Yeah. And I no. always wanted to 
right courses. And, and when I was at the 2017 idea, the one that Todd was up there and, you know, Jacqueline's wife's up there doing push-ups, I sat there going, I want that one day. I want to be on that stage and win an award. Mm-hmm. But when I won my award, it was via Zoom. We didn't go on stage. But wow. I was able to go on stage and give the award to the next guy person this year. And I'm like, okay, I got a stage. <laughs> so right. I achieved those things. Those are just something I wanted. And yeah. I, it happened. So that made me that's, that's fantastic. And it, it you're so true. And in, in the advice that you're given to, again, anyone listening now who is either has experienced a stroke or is in recovery and looking for that person or if it's a fitness professional listening who is in that position to help somebody to educate yourself and to never one thing i like to tell my staff and my team and as a trainer myself is a good trainer can train anyone but you can't train that person unless you're educated with the knowledge to your point of to help them and to help them correctly and if you're not that person to be humble and to accept that and to help them find somebody who is because to your point that can make or break someone's recovery or spirit right and as health fitness professionals whether you're a trainer coach nurse doctor what you're in the medical field name whatever area you're in you know your job is to ultimately help people get better and if you're not that person to find help them find that person so I hope anyone listening will heed that advice is to educate yourself and to seek out somebody to get yourself better as a trainer and a coach, because you're right. I, I've experienced and seen several trainers along my years and my career of trainers just taking individuals who shouldn't be doing certain exercises because it's what they were taught and not that they're wrong. It's just, that's all they know. And if they don't know to, to be better then they're going to hurt their client more than help them. So, so it's really, it's solid advice and I'm on board with you 100%. So hopefully people listening will definitely, again, heed that advice and and get yourself the knowledge to to make yourself a better coach and better trainer. I think that's important. So Tracy, you're, I've gotten to know you obviously today, but you know, I've done, you know, I followed you and, and, and now that you're part of our, this new book that we have coming out, which we'll talk about, but I find like your journey and your experience is so interesting. Like, and, um, and we can, we can have definitely have a part two for sure to bring you back on that. But what is one piece of advice you would give to somebody who is trying to figure out what their path is for them versus what, you know, the world is telling them, what, what advice would you give that person? I will find, know yourself. I sound that's also so cliche to say. Um, you can write your goals down. You can, even if it sounds weird or crazy, like, you know, when I was younger, I'm going to write a book one day. Well, who knew I'd ever do that? But if you, you write them down, they don't sound as crazy. They don't seem so challenging. Mm-hmm. And they become more real. Because sometimes we keep them in our head, I think, or maybe you're in a position kind of like I grew up in. You don't have a lot of support. You, know, you give someone an idea, like, why would you do that? You know, you, I had to be my own cheerleader. Um, I had an experience when I was younger that um, I think pushed me to be how I am. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, like you see a lot of families now, you know, they're always cheering on their kids, cheering their family. Oh, my son's so great. My daughter's so great. Well, 
a lot of people don't come from that. Mm-hmm. And you have to be somehow find a way to feel inside of you what you want, even though you may not, it may feel this big because you're around things around you that just squish you down. So you're, it's like a little tiny thing. Mm-hmm. Somehow get to the point where you can write down even the things that you think, I don't know why I think it's stupid, write it down, let it become more real. Mm-hmm. Because um, a lot of people have these great ideas and passion inside of them. Mm-hmm. And depending on how we're raised, depending on who's in your path right now, I know a lot of people always say, oh, surround yourself with the best people. Well, you know, sometimes people don't have that option. Right. You know, you can't just Agreed. walk, oh, I'll, you be my friend, you be my friend, and you be my friend. And everyone's like, okay, come in. Because a lot of people, a lot of people have their group of friends. They're not just say, oh, right. You know, so you you kind of have to get that inner strength going, and it's hard. Um, Extremely hard. I would say write it down and look at it a lot. You don't have to show people, keep it somewhere. Some doesn't look, make it. So I don't, it's not like a, I guess in the, in the new way they can call it a vision board, but I just write it down mm-hmm. and always know it's there. Yeah. That, I, I, that's fa- fantastic advice, Tracy. And I've, I've talked about the same thing in my book. I was fortunate enough to have that. Like my father set those examples. Now, my, you know, I didn't have, I grew up, I was one of seven children. So, you know, everything that we had, we had to work for and understand that whatever example that my father put in front of us, that was, you know, and a good one I'm referring to is that's, you know, we follow that advice and try to live up to that example. And, and if you don't have that person or that role model to set that example or to go to for advice is to seek out someone who who can you know because it does and we all have that fire inside us we just need something to let it out to light that fire and maybe maybe finding that person you know the internet's a beautiful thing now we can search up pretty much anything that you want to search up right and if you don't have that support group let's go to let's go to google let's pull up google and let's search up yeah. And, and let's find one. And then you'd be surprised, honestly, you know, like I've had so, and it wasn't just my dad, but it was, I had several people, coaches in my path, friends to this day, Todd, someone like yourself, someone just put in your path who can help you, uh, you know, uh, achieve something and just to ask advice to not be afraid to to turn to them and, and, yeah. and say, Hey, can you help? Or what kind of, what advice would you do? Or can you give me on this topic? So, and you know, another thing is I know, it seems like reaching, I don't know, it, to me, it seems like reaching out lately, the last few years for help or some of you, because know, I've had a lot of grief. I've lost my stepdad, my dad, and my dog, just all this stuff for the last few years. Mm-hmm. Reaching out for that. When I was younger, it was easy. For, they were there. Right. Now it's you reach out, they don't call you back, or they want you to pay $200 a month to go over here. Right. Or it's all like, everything seems like scattered and not as easy to reach out. But when I was, um, quick story, I think this could help someone if they had things. Okay. So I was about 18, 19, 20. I can't remember. I went in high school. I took ROP cosmetology my last year. So when I, I graduated, I was still 17 because I was young in my year. I was 17 when I graduated high school in 83. And by the end of 83, I had my cosmetology license working full-time at a hair salon. Mm-hmm. And there was a man there, a very nice man. He's a Christian man. He, he wrote songs. He was an artist. Funny, he's an artist. I that. Um, and he sang at his church. And 
I, I assisted him four days a week. And then I had my own chair on Saturdays. He, he saw me struggling. He said, you know, I want you to go talk. I might cry. Talk to this woman at my church. Mm-hmm. You know, she's a counselor. I think she can help you. Okay. So I go to meet this woman and, and this is what she told me to do. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, she gave me a piece of paper and a pen. And she said, I want you to write down 10 things you'd like about yourself. I didn't understand what that meant. Mm-hmm. I wasn't raised with people building confidence and building you with your, you know, what is your good qualities? And, she, and I go, I don't know what you mean. Mm-hmm. She goes, well, let me help you. And she go, write down, you have pretty green eyes, write down, write down, you have nice earlobes. Just, she was just telling me things to write down. Right. And I'm like, I don't understand. And, and so, and I was just crying because I felt like I was just so separated from mm-hmm. being who I was supposed to be in the world in a sense. Right. So I worked really hard on that. I saw her a few times and for years I went like once a week or once every other week, paid like a hundred dollars an hour to speak to a therapist, to make sure I'm not that way. Mm-hmm. I'm different than things I grew up with. Anyway, so I would write down, I would have a piece of paper and I'd write down the things I wanted and I'd write down things I like about myself, the positive things mm-hmm. like, oh, I can do a handstand or just anything that you're good at, write it down. That's what, and I did that for years. I still have my original little journal thing. I wrote it on each page. I wrote something positive on mm-hmm. about a target. So the targets are it's here someplace with stuff on there. I read it daily. If I felt sad, I read it. And it, so I personally being what I've been through, I have almost zero tolerance for people being jealous, envious, catty. Oh, well, I, well, she's this it's like, you don't have any idea where I came from. And if I can come from where I came from and be a nice person, mm-hmm. so can you, you know? So, right. and so, and also when you have a goal, like if your goal is to, like, well, like some women, they want to lose weight, mm-hmm. but they spend their life calling people skinny minis. Oh, I hate that girl. She's skinny. Well, one, first of all, that's unkind. Right. And when they say, oh, models aren't real people. It's like, yes, they are. They're just being a model for a living. I mean, watch what you say about the things you truly want. Mm-hmm. Because if you're acting hateful and mean verbally and in your mind towards what in your heart you really want, you're not going to get it. Right. You know, you can't hate people that are rich if you're struggling with money. You have to kind of balance, you know, right. your thinking out, you know, you, you know what I mean? Get the yeah. envy out of there and go inside. Mm-hmm. And I know it's hard sometimes because sometimes you can be the strongest person going inside and you can't make any steps forward because maybe the world around you isn't letting you and you right. just have to keep fighting, man. It's hard. It can be right. hard for some people. Yeah. But, yeah, no, and I agree uh, with uh, writing down and I, I was listening to a podcast a few weeks back with Tim Tebow and he was mentioning about, you know, when so many people and I don't want to misquote him, but to the point of if you find yourself being envious of a situation or someone else to to your point, take get a piece of paper out, write down some of the things that you're blessed with and focus on that. And each day add to that list. So if it's just one thing, add one one positive word about yourself or what you're again, what you've been blessed with in your life. And what 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 you like, what makes you feel special. Like what I would also do too, if anyone gave me a compliment, 
-hmm. Like, oh my God, that was a great haircut you did say. I cut hair good. I mean, I would take those compliments to try to just like, almost like I had to build this inside me to push the other part away. And it's, right. I guess that's the way to put it. So right. I would write down. So when someone gave me compliments, that became the things I would say I have, right. whether it was a lie or not, it, you know, I don't think yeah. people lied all the time, but sometimes people would fake compliments, but I wasn't worrying about that. I was like, no. they said I had nice hair. They said, you know, it looks like I work out good. I'm write down, write it down. I just, would hang on to that to override the ick. Right. Yeah. No, I think, I think, yeah, I think that's important. And, and the point being is to go back when you're feeling those feelings of, you know, you're discouraged or you're you know, beaten down is to open up that notebook that you wrote those words and those thoughts in those positive affirmations, if you will, and take a look at them and then close it. And then once you find yourself thinking or being, or, or, or leading towards that path of negativity to, to revert and go back and look at those positive affirmation words. And that yeah, really, sometimes we don't have the people around us to do it. So you have to do it yourself. Right. Exactly. And you have to do something when that spirit gets so low. Mm -hmm. I mean, people can go into suicide I mean, it can go so low and right. hard, right. but if anything just makes that spirit build a little bit up. So you feel a little more alive still mm -hmm. or the hopes there. And I did it for myself from honoring compliments and writing down just to get by. So, yeah. So that's one of my biggest things. I don't tolerate nasty, jealous, right. yeah. gossiping, trying to, trying to tear people down to make you look good. No, it's like, uh-uh. Yeah. No, I get through what I've been through. Just choose to get through it. Be nice. <laughs> exactly. It, it, it costs, uh, <laughs> As our, as our, I'm sure our families and grandparents and parents have said to us over the years, and many people who listen to this is, it doesn't cost, it costs zero to be nice, right? And just think about how you would feel in that same situation. So I think that's good advice. Uh, Trace, I got a couple of different questions I want to fire at you. And they're kind of a combo question is, what are you currently working on? Any special projects that you'd like to share? And the two parts of that would be, do you have any other interests other than fitness in the fitness industry that you're working on right now? Um, well, the most current thing is our book. That's right. <laughs> I got mine. I ordered mine because I had it. What's next with Todd Durkin and David and 26 other, 26 other people besides 26, us. 26 other, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love it. I love it. There's Thanks. the side. There's the back. I think it's I think it's great that Pete Holman and Sarah Apgar wrote nice things on the back for us. Yes. Okay. Um, so that's one of the projects that I've been doing. I have a couple other books I'm working on. I'm working on one on hearing. Mm -hmm. It's just been a lot of a lot of things I'm going through and I and personally like I've shared to do with the grief and things going on. Um, it's slowing that down. Right. I, I keep getting not that I get blocked. I just get exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So. On a personal level, I, I want that out, the book for hearing. Maybe it's just, maybe life is just, when it finally comes out, I'll go, oh, I'm so glad it came out now and not then. Um, but personally, yeah. personally, I want to move on and get married again one day and things like that. I've um, been through my divorce and mm -hmm. stepkid and my stepdaughter had bone cancer during the divorce. I, I've been through a lot. Yeah. Um, just to get past that and have the good right. things back in, you know. Right. Right. You know, that's yeah. my personal path. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, you're putting out, and I'm sorry to hear about that part to you. You're putting out a lot of good, positive message and vibes 
it sounds cliche-ish that people say the more good you put out in the world, it's going to come back to you, right? And I truly believe that. I mean, I've heard people, several people say that. So I, I feel like you have a lot of good things coming your way. So um, hang in there and thanks for thanks for all you're doing. And, and that message that, you know, that, you know, all the books that you're you're putting out there, I mean, they're going to serve so many people. And and then people who are listening, who are thinking that, hey, I'm going to put this stuff off is to take that, take those things a little more seriously. So um, thank you for sharing all that, you know, that journey and everything. Yeah, I've, I've enjoyed it. And I know people who are listening to this will listen to it as and get a lot from it. Um, thank you for being caring enough to want to know it. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. That's what that's what that's kind of what this is all about. So I'm I'm just thankful for you for, to open up and share that. And it benefits me, too, because like, I mean, I'll be more mindful of my pot, you know, my ear pods and, and my hearing and stuff because, you know, it, those are dementia is a serious thing. I can, if that can lead to that and the balancing. And so those are all, you know, key factors that I took away from our conversation so far. And I want to jump back over quickly to ask you a little bit more about when you talk about your path and when you started out, what for you personally, what was your feeling personally that you experienced when you stepped into your business for the first time as a new author, business coach, like what was that feeling for you? Uh, and, and share that with others because a lot of people who don't, who aren't in a, you know, small business or a coach or maybe an independent contractor or therapist out there that, you know, they're tied to a corporate facility. So they don't have get to experience that feeling of, of ownership that it belongs to you. What, what was that feeling? What did that mean to you um, personally? So when I started adding, well, having the business, it, it felt, I was just like, it felt good to own your own business. Um, and I was doing the work I wanted to do that. I was learning more to make it better. And then, but when I became an author, it kind of changed the dynamics. And now I'm this and now I'm that. And then I, then I did the courses. Now I'm educator. I'm this and that, which is all, also kind of cool. And it feels, um, I want to say it feels accomplished. Mm-hmm. But not like in an ego way, but I feel like my per I feel like part of my purpose has become to help what I can with stroke survivors and people with their physical bodies, um, putting it back together and everything for right. whatever reasons. I've worked with people that mess and different things too. Um I feel like I've achieved that, but but it's not done because I don't think you ever get to that achievement. Because mm-hmm. even every every time I Oh, I got another book with stroke recovery. The next time I write something, there's more I learned that I didn't know in the first book. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. I wish I knew that back then to put in the book. Because if it just always keeps adding to it. Right. Which, um, but that's because it's part of my passion and my world. I think if I was like, oh, it's my job. I go train, I go home. It would, it wouldn't have a continued value or a continued journey. I yeah. think having the continued journey that keeps going feels I, and me, it feels right. I listen to my gut. So I always like that feeling of, I think I'm on the right path. Right. You know, you know I don't want to sit there and go, oh my God, I should have listened. To that. I should have took that door. Oh, I should have did that book with, with Todd Scripture Publishing. You know, I, I don't want to have those mm-hmm. in there. So you can't, you, so I want to listen to my gut. And if I, you know, sometimes you listen to your gut and you like, hey, it's not the right time. I can't do it. That, you know, you have to honor that too. But, right. um, each part of the journey, I may get to this and I go, oh my God, this is good. And then, then it just kind of keeps going to something else. I haven't got to a point where it's like, okay, I'm done. I, I, 
did everything I wanted to do. I don't know if my personality would ever allow me to do that. Right. Right. It certainly doesn't sound like that. You're, I mean, you've got a lot of fire inside of you and a lot of knowledge that you want, you know, you're passionate about helping people. And that's anyone who listens and who's listened to this now, or will listen to this, you know, I'm sure they're going to pick up on that. And it's, it shows you can't, uh, one of the biggest things that like I like to see with our coaches and what I've been told, you know, from, from my mentors over the years is to be genuine. You can't fake genuine. And, and people, people identify that quickly. You could be the best at whatever you're doing, but if you're not genuine, people will identify you or, or, or eventually figure that out. And uh, so, you know, like that's a strong fit that you have going in your favor. So I'm excited for people to hear this and to, to understand who you are and to, and listen to your message. So I think it's also nice for people to say thank you to other people. Like if you reach out to other professionals and ask them something or advice or, mm -hmm. you know, this or that how did you do this um say thank you appreciate them don't turn it into competition with them you know right have have integrity right i think i think in our industry people will pick up on which people don't have that integrity mm -hmm. maybe like because if you come off well, they're a little rude a few times and they, they don't think you know they say thank you. you you know if another project comes up mm -hmm. or down the line something opens a door and you have six people to choose from you might say i don't know about that let's take these six i mean so always you know not that it's burning bridges just you know try i mean i know we all have times where we're just like oh my god i think they took me wrong and you know just mm -hmm. the normal stuff but right. and the long sort of yourself you know be kind to others. Don't mm -hmm. walk into a room and think you're better than someone. So you treat them bad. Mm -hmm. And then maybe you find out later they were something more than you thought they were. So you want to be nice to them now. It's like, yeah, that doesn't work. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. Just be nice. No, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And I also think that, you know, if to, to piggyback off what you just said is if you have treated anyone like that in the past and you feel like it's too late. I don't think it's too late. I feel like you can still, I think you can mend those fences if you're genuine and you, and you, and you're sincere about it. So it doesn't cost anything to say, thank you, like you said, and, and to be, and to be kind and not arrogant. So, but at the same time, like, I think like if you've made those mistakes you, that you should be able to mend them, if you're, if you're genuine, if you're sincere and if you're genuine, people will, I think people will forgive in, the, in those, in those types of situations. So, yeah, and, and we need that. So I have my brain book and then I made a kid's brain book and in it, one of the chapters and both, you know, well, the kid's book's just little one-liners more, but basically on both the books and part of it, it explains. So when somebody's bullied, when someone's treated bad, when someone's forced to be isolated, you know, what at any age it affects them. Mm -hmm. So what people go through with that, could lead them to be someone who's a senior with dementia or brain issues because mm -hmm. you can only take being treated that way so much. So I try to put in there for everybody's brain care, for your friend's brain care and your family's brain care, be nice mm -hmm. to people because what you put out there mean to someone could mm -hmm. cause them serious health issues and brain stuff when they're older. So think right. a little further, right. you know, it, it yeah. affects people. It, it expands out. Right. Yeah. So that's great. Need to be nice and everything too, just mm -hmm. for, you know, be nice. <laughs> yeah. 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 It costs, it, again, going back to the earlier point, it costs yeah. zero to be nice. Right. So Tracy from, you know, when we talk about your passion and other people's passions and what it is about those passions that drive them, 
is there one specific thing that you're truly passionate about no matter doing no matter what it may take for you to make that happen like one for example like i have to work out every day at 9 a.m it makes me happy like what's that one thing for you well i have to, i do have to work out that's my passion to be honest with you with what i've been going through the last couple of years i've kind of been having a hard time pursuing those mm -hmm. things for myself mm -hmm. the lack of energy the just everything around it right um, and I'm just being honest because sometimes we go through that. So where I'm at right now, I'm trying to get mm -hmm. back to, you know, I, my passion was I walked my dog every day for 14 years. I lost right. him. I, I won't walk with him now. It Walking's weird. So right. what was always my passion has little glitches in them. So I'm trying to right. recreate what works for me. Because what, you know, like on our book and you know, everything mm -hmm. past 2020 and after the pandemic, what worked before isn't working anymore. Right. But my little passions were to take care of myself and do things is different now. And I'm being from coming from Oregon back to California and walk, you know, the environment's different. I haven't found my, my passion of every day I'm doing, no matter what I, I'm like, Oh, I don't like that. Mm. Kind of, does that make sense? Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the first things I feel like when you know we're when as fitness professionals or just any professional in general and in general when you're trying to help others you tend to and this goes for i feel like even as a parent myself or anybody you tend to put off your own self-care you know like you know and, and not have those days and and put it to the side and you'll, you'll you know i'll get back to it i'll get back to it or it doesn't this matters the most right now well from everything that we know and we've been told and how important your your physical mental health matters if if yeah. you neglect those things to to the point it's going to be hard to get back at all you know for some people so to take that time out of your day out of your life even if it's for 5 minutes to yeah. recognize that self care and write it down and then write it down in a book and then put it in your calendar as an appointment you know if you if you're if you're that detailed and needed and, and that's how it keeps you on your schedule just so you don't forget to do those things that you enjoy, even if it's for five minutes. And I think that's extremely important and, and good advice to share as well. So you know, thank you for sharing that, Tracy. And Tracy, one thing I, I like to kind of like jump in and ask some people throughout the podcast so far is their accomplishments in their career and business, you know, to date, if you will. And you've written so many valuable books and has and will help a lot of people. Out of all your books, do you have a favorite? And if so, why? <laughs> like, well, you no, know, they you all pick, have a one. special <laughs> place in my heart. They all do. But, you know, the the first one with Gary has an extra special one because it was a story. It was with him. It was a journey. And it was a great journey. It was a learning journey. It was a spiritual connection. That Knowing him just was so powerful for my life. He, mm -hmm. helped, he, he helped me as I was helping him by just being a kind person right? by just, just our journey together. That, mm -hmm. so that's one of my favorites for that. Each book has a, most of them have a dedication to someone that played a role in things. My second book was tipping towards balance. I did that with scripture publishing as well. Mm -hmm. And um, so I mean, I don't have next, me and my daughter walking in the cover mm -hmm. and that came about because people read the first book and asked me, can I teach more about, 
some things Gary did. So, so it has little, little stories of different people, but why, you know, it's kind of, you know, about it's a fall prevention book pretty much has exercise in it. But one of the women I was training was 105 years old. Mm -hmm. She, she was at the Gary book signing book signing. I pictured her signing the book. I think that's actually on scripture publishing website, her signing, her reading the book. Wow. Um, after she passed, that book was dedicated to her. So the Gary book was dedicated to him. Each book kind of has a specialness to me, to me, mm-hmm. to me. The, um, the stroke covered leg book. Uh, my stepdad helped me take a lot of the different pictures and some of my photo, some of the exercise pictures in my last couple books. Um, but he got bone cancer and declined quickly path. Did you get to see that book? Mm. That's dedicated to him. So each, each book has something special to me. Yeah. That's fantastic. So, yeah, I can. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I, and, and I don't have as many books as you, but I, my book is based off of and really, you know, I'm trying to honor my dad who didn't who didn't get to see it, who didn't get, you know, and and didn't get to meet my either my children. And, and that tugs on your heartstrings a little bit. So everything that we do, an author, writer or whatever you're working on, I'm sure a lot of people have a person that's inspired them to to accomplish that. So thank thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. And Tracy, you like, I'm going to shift gears a little bit back to just a couple more rapid fire questions, if you're ready for them. And one of them really, we talked earlier before we got on the podcast was just some, I like to ask the guests a little bit, a few fun facts or talents about themselves. So our listeners can know a little bit of what, outside of what Tracy loves to work on, like, is there anything, a fun fact or talent that a lot of people don't know, <laughs> your friends or family don't know about you, or maybe something, a hidden talent? <laughs> I can still do cartwheels and flips and walk on my hands. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> pretty impressive. I can't do it as far. When yeah. I was younger, me and my girlfriend would do like 100 steps. Now we go to the beach, we do, we do like five and start laughing. But yeah. we can still do it. One thing a lot of people don't know about me, and I don't do it as much now. I I, I used to collect decks of cards. And it started with every time I went to play with my cards, a card was missing because my brothers would always still went out to be me. Right. So my girlfriend goes store, we buy ones with cats and we buy something. And then it just became everyone started buying me cards. So I have almost 2,000 decks of cards. Wow. Some, some, one, somebody gave me one that had, um, before there was a glue or something, the right. box was all sewed together from like, I don't know how many years ago. So I have all these cards, but I don't get into them much anymore. I mean, I rarely buy them still, but that's just something there. And I tell people they laugh at me. I go, well, hey, it happened because my mom and stepdad would travel and they go to all these wineries and travel. Look, we got your cards here, card here, card there. And then everybody started doing that. Right. So. It, sound, it sounds like my it sounds, <laughs> my wife will tell you, like, wherever I go, I'm, I got a college T-shirt addiction. So I first moved to North Carolina. I, I got a Winston-Salem T-shirt. And that's it's just a topic of conversation. Hey, did you go there? <laughs> no, but I just like to collect T-shirts. So <laughs> I like that. So. And then Tracy, like, uh, as we wrap this up, if anyone wants to contact you or talk to you, how can they find you? Where are are you on social media or email? Well, if you go to my website, www.tracymarkley.com, it's T-R-A-C-Y-M-A-R-K-L-E-Y. There's no E in Tracy. So tracymarkley.com on there, it shows, it shows my YouTube, Twitter, it shows everything, but I motivate underscore healthy fit on Instagram, which Instagram has been my main focus of posting for a long time until the last month or two. And they're like, no, we want reels everywhere. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to master TikTok and, and I'm just like <laughs> all over the place trying to figure out, well, God, TikTok gets 600. Well, this gets this. And, 
And I'm just trying to figure out, like the other day I posted something on the, on the new book coming out. I did a reel and I put it on Facebook and different thing. That one reel on Instagram got over 2000 views, 2,500 views. Everything else of mine is like between 100 and 400. I'm like, what I do, what I do, right. What wow. hashtags I use. I yeah. did something to this one. I didn't do so. Um, yeah, I'm trying to figure that out. So yeah, so that's, I, if you go to tracymarkle.com, you can see all my social medias okay. and you know, my Amazon. Thank you. And we'll put that in the show notes for all the listeners. So don't worry about, again, if you're trying to feverishly write down what Tracy's trying to tell you where to find her, (laughs) we'll put it all in the show notes for you so you can contact Tracy. And Tracy, last but not least, since you're on a podcast called Why Not Me, what does that mean to you? And what advice would you give to anyone who is asking themselves that very question now, or maybe has asked them that of themselves in the past? So meaning why not me? Like, why didn't that good thing happen to me, but it happened to them? Is that kind of the question? Of yeah, just, just, uh, just, uh, just like, uh, what does that, what does that phrase mean to you? What, what does why not mean? What does why not me mean to Tracy? And what advice if someone's questioning themselves of, yeah, yeah. Why, why, why not me? Why aren't they good enough or something? What does that mean to you? What's what, been my thing is why, what, why not me? Especially because I've dealt with all my family stuff and I have to deal with it again because of what happened after my father passed. I'm in that mode again. Why did I not get a good family? Why did I have to go through so many struggles? You know, why wasn't I able to have children? So people look at me like, why don't you have kids? Like, well, cause I couldn't, you know, mm-hmm. cause people just get these perceptions and, mm-hmm. and, um, I, th- I thought I worked through all these things, but mm-hmm. having backed around, it's kind of bugging me, but why not me? I think is you have to get through it. Sometimes you have to accept, you know, like, you know, when I, you know, didn't have it, you know, lost the baby and died inside me, everything or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, of course it was like, well, look at other people. Why do they get to have them? And I don't. Right. And then I try to look at, well, if I would have had a kid, I wouldn't have my books. And, you know, I wouldn't have my dog wasabi. So I try to look at the, why not? Why, why, why? But then this happened because I didn't. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have had this if I would have had what I thought I really wanted type of, you know, I don't know if that, that's yeah. just how I rationalize. I think everyone just has to rationalize it mm-hmm. like in a survival type mode to get through it, get your brain right to move through it to other things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It makes perfect sense. And that, that's why I ask, you know, like that, what does that mean to, I mean, it means something differently to everyone. Yeah. So I don't, there is no wrong answer in my mind of, you know, why not me? And that's what I like to say, what the why not me mentality is. If you're questioning yourself of, you know, why not you um, ask yourself why? Yeah. I mean, you are capable of more than you think. What matters for me is different. Doesn't mean it's necessarily meant for you. So uh, you're your own individual. So whatever that phrase means to you, identify that and, and, and play off of it. So and that also can mean, why can't I write a book? Other people do. I mean, it can be, I see it both ways. Yes. It probably depends on my mood. <laughs> what's yeah. going on yeah. at the moment? Because I think that's what I do. What you know, what what's happening right now? It makes you see it. It makes you take it different. Yes, agree one thousand percent. Yeah. Well, Tracy, um, thank you. You have uh, been a, a fantastic guest, and excited that, that we had you on. And I can't wait for listeners to get your books. So, she's and I'm going to get yours too. Yes. And she's got a lot of them out there. And then also our you know, the new book, What's Next, <laughs> is the most recent one. Yep. Here it is. And What's next? 
That's yeah. Todd Durkin on the cover. That is. And get... All of us inside of here. We each all have our own chapter. <laughs> exactly. A lot of good information, a lot of good experts who offer a lot of valuable advice. So, Tracy, yeah. thank you again. And I look forward to hopefully meeting you. Are you going to be out in San Diego for Todd's shift retreat? No, I wanted to go, but it just it can't happen this time. It's just right. not the right time for me, but I really wanted to. Well, I'm sure we'll meet at, at one of the events at sooner or later. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I hope so, too. Well, thanks again, Tracy. I hope you Thank have a Thank you for day. having me. I appreciate it. Yes. You have a great rest of your day. You too. Bye. Bye. I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast with Tracy Markley. Tracy's experiences as a trainer, coach, mentor, and educator are so inspiring and inspirational. I urge you to listen to her message about becoming a better coach so that she could be educated in the areas she felt she needed to so that she can improve to serve her clients with the best possible service and care that they deserve. As I interviewed Tracy, I was so impressed with her conviction to serve and her want to be better. I think at times that's a lost art. Take note of how you're serving your clients today and ask yourself, am I giving my best to my clients? Am I working each day to be a better coach, person, and influence on who you are serving. As always, thank you for listening. If you are enjoying the podcast, please give us a five-star review, a like, and a share with a friend. Until next time, when in doubt, ask yourself, why not me? Why not now? Thanks for listening, and I hope you have a fantastic day.